Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to Live Free Creative an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. there, friends. Welcome back to Live Free Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and you are listening to number 241, episode number 241, Thinking Traps and How to Get Out of Them. Have you heard the term thinking traps before? I think I had heard about it, sort of, you know, just out there how you hear words in conversation, maybe read about it sometime. And then when I was studying this year, I did a whole class section about this idea of thinking traps. The section was umbrellaed underneath the idea of resilience. Resilience, our ability to maintain strength and positive emotion in the face of difficulty, to not just crumble underneath obstacles or in, you know, in the middle of a challenge, but the ability to gather what resources we have, identify resources, gather them together, use them appropriately, and push through, excel, move beyond the challenges that we experience in our lives. Thinking traps and knowing about them and how to get out of them are one element of how we can use our brains effectively to be more resilient in our lives. And so because I don't know how well-known the idea of thinking traps are in general. I thought that I'd do an episode about them, not about all of them because there's a lot, but I will share some examples, kind of give you a broad definition and talk through some of them. And I think that as I'm sharing about thinking traps, you will probably recognize a couple that are like your favorites, your go-tos. I know that I have, and I'll share what mine are. The the loops that you get caught in, the, the holes that you find yourself stumbled into more often than others. The great thing about that is that knowing which thinking trap you're in is the first step to having the key to get out. Before I dive into the episode, I want to share a quick segment that I like to call Peaks of the Week. (music) 
It's June. I can't believe it. This year has flown by. Does it feel that way to you? I swear I blinked and we went from January to June. Let me share a couple things that are lighting me up right now. Very simple things. The first one is wildflower seeds. Now I'm going to just say this is a little bit of an oxymoron to talk about wildflowers, like scattering seeds for wildflowers, because by definition, a wildflower is a flower growing without human interaction. These are the flowers that you see scattered among the hillsides and along the highways and, you know, in the cracks in the sidewalk. These are plants that are growing wild just by virtue of the ecosystem and, you know, seeds being delivered by animals and pollinated by bees and all of the things that happen like without us. So just by virtue of like buying a pack of wildflower seeds and scattering it, they're no longer so wild, right? It's interesting though that you can buy plants, like wildflower plants, you know, what would be called quote unquote wildflower plants, plants you'd normally see out in the fields, you can buy as seeds or as plants and cultivate them in your garden in a specific way. When I was traveling last summer, I guess the end of last summer, I was at a farmer's market in Philadelphia and I there was this huge selection of gorgeous organic mixed wildflower seeds. And so I grabbed a few of them and I noticed in my yard earlier this year that I have these six, I'm trying to grow some roses. I have these six really beautiful rose bushes. They're very small at this point. They're only about a year old and they're all blooming. So that's nice. They, they actually have flowers on them, but there's some space in between them that is just dirt mulch. And I thought maybe I could throw down some seeds, not for like long term. The idea is these roses will get bigger and... So I needed the space between them, but I thought maybe I could throw down some wildflower seeds and see if things will grow in between. And it's been such a thrill to just have a packet of, you know, varied different types of blooms. Some are annuals, some are perennials, some are another name that is sort of in between. I don't remember. Um, Biennials, maybe? Anyway, there's a whole collection of different plants. And because I scattered a bunch of different packets... I have all of these little tiny plants coming up and I'm not really sure what they are yet. And it's just a thrill. It just feels like magic. I've talked on the show for years about how much I love gardening and planting. That's all new to me just in the last few years. There's something really fun about scattering a a packet of seeds and not feeling so deeply about them like I do about some of the other plants that I, you know, intentionally plant in a specific way. Just it's sort of like scattering hopes and wishes out there that you just dot these, you know, truly, I just like handfuls of seeds and they're all starting to grow. And I'm so excited to see what comes up, how it looks. I hope that it gets a little bit of a meadowy feel in between these, you know, rose, rose bushes that are growing with a little bit more cultivation. We'll see though. I'll keep you I'll keep you updated. And if you follow me on Instagram at Live Free Miranda, I share a little bit about that over there. The idea of being able to just grab a $3 package of wildflower seeds and scatter them out and have them turn into just this beautiful little section of meadow anywhere you want feels really fun. So I I think that I want to just grab a few more and fill in the little random pockets of my yard that aren't actually landscaped yet with the hope of scattered wildflower seeds. So that's peak number one, wildflower seeds. Peak of the week two is also about flowers, but not 
the planted kind, have you read Daisy Jones and the Six? This is a Taylor Jenkins read book that came out a few years ago. I read it and was in love. I mean, it's so good. It sucks you right in. It's about a fictional band in the 60s and 70s and the dynamics of this group and so many different things happen. It's a really, really great book. And I was thrilled when I found out it was turning into a miniseries. Well, because of school and just the busyness of life over this last year, I didn't get a chance to watch the miniseries until just a couple weeks ago, and I'm still thinking about it. It's so well done. It's beautiful. The costume design and the cinematography and even like the colors of the edits, I appreciated so much about it. I loved it and really highly recommend it. It does have you know, drug content and um, some, you know, very, very light sexuality. It's not, there's not like sex, like real sex scenes, but a little bit of that and some language. So if you're sensitive to any of those things, just, you know, be aware. I, I feel like they did a really good job of keeping it pretty true to the 60s and 70s. And the characters are so interesting and so likable. And I just, I mean, likable and also like distressing. I really appreciated it. It's been a while since I had a show that I was super into. I love Ted Lasso and I'm, I still am enjoying that. I've fin- just about finished season three. Uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, though, I watched all together on a train ride to Philadelphia and back. And I kind of love watching it like in big sections like that. So if you th- think of it, there's 10 episodes. They're about 35 minutes long each. So it is a commitment, but you could think of like a two-day marathon to just really get into it. It's fantastic. The final peak of the week is about summertime. And I think that Daisy Jones and the Six feels very summery. It's this like, you know, dusty colors and they live in California. So it's all very sunny and there's some beach scenes and lots of, you know, 70s like short shorts and tank tops. And it feels like summer, the whole show. And I'm so excited about the summer. I I do have some work to do and some schoolwork to do. And beyond that, I want to go to the pool and go to the beach. And we've been doing some intense summer planning. Next week's podcast episode will be all about summer planning. I am sharing an episode about the way that we like to structure our summers in order to feel like we have covered our bases. We have a baseline schedule, but we also leave some room for spontaneity and for some other, you know, fun, exciting things we want to do. This summer is going to be different than any we've ever had because we are taking a one-month vacation. When I finish school, officially the middle of July, we're taking the kids to Costa Rica for four weeks before they start school in the end of August. We're excited to really unplug and to spend that time together and to, you know, sort of rest and reconnect and recover after my really intense year of schooling. So we look forward to that. And that is a huge peak of the week coming up. So wildflowers, Daisy Jones and the Six and summer plants are all making my heart beat fast right now. Those are my peaks of the week. For today's sponsor spot, I'm excited to reintroduce you to a dozen brands that have sponsored this show over the last couple years. And reacquaint you with the discount codes. I have a discount code page on my website. So if you ever go to livefreecreative.co and just search discount, 
this page will come up. It has all of these codes laid out for you with links. So you can just click on whichever one you're looking for. Additionally, if you find yourself on social media more than on your computer, you can go to my Instagram page. The link that's in my profile leads you to a link tree and one of them says discount codes. That will also get you straight to this wonderful, super easy to use sponsorship page. I've had a few people reach out over the last month looking for a specific code, and so I thought I would let you know. If you're a podcast listener, you've heard me talk about these sponsors for the last several months, years, and the codes are always available. So you can check out that discounts page, and I'm going to just quickly walk you through them again. If something catches your ear that you've been thinking about or that you're interested in, head to that discounts page on the blog. I'll link it in the show notes of this show so that you can take advantage of those amazing discounts. I'm gonna shout out all the codes that are currently available for you right now. The first is for the Headspace app, my favorite mindfulness and meditation app. You can get 30 days of the app entirely free with my code linked in that discount page. It's live free. Storyworth, $10 off with the code live free. HelloFresh, which we use four times a week. LiveFree65 is the code for 65% off. Thrive Market, our favorite snack and just easy household delivery, that is code LiveFree for 30% off. Native deodorants, lotions, body washes, all great for your body. LiveFree is the code for 20% off. Pros, my very favorite, the only shampoo and conditioner hair care that I use. Use the code LiveFree for 15% off. Song Finch, remember that incredible custom song I, I had written for Dave's birthday? You can get $20 off your own custom song using the code LiveFree. If you're looking for bath and beauty products, supplements, all sorts of things, iHerb is like a giant marketplace for that stuff. Use the code LiveFree for 22% off any anything that you order. You can take 20% off any order at Bombas, socks or t-shirts or underwear, all sustainably made, giving back to people in need. Live free is the code for 20% off at Bombas. You can take 15% off your entire order at Dame. I swear Dame comes up every time I'm with a group of girlfriends. When we're talking about intentional intimacy, Dame are my go-to products and you can try anything for 15% off. Better help if you just need someone to chat with, Live Free will get you 50% off your first month of online therapy. OC is the most luxurious skincare brand. I use their lotion, I use their Enduria body oil all the time. Live Free will take 10% off your entire order at OC Malibu. Organify for supplements, focus, harnessing the power of nature to support your brain health. Use the code CREATIVE for 20% off. Gab Wireless, if you're Tiptoeing into smartphones, smartwatches, live free will take 10% off your whole order at Gab Wireless. And sometimes that code gets you an additional percentage off or an added gift. So if you're looking for a starter phone or watch for your kids, Gab is one of our favorites. Coconoo, 15% off Coconoo, body friendly lube with the code live free. And finally, Backup Bootcamp. If you want to organize your digital photos, use Miss Freddie's Backup Bootcamp. You can use the code live free for $10 off. Again, all of those discounts, and I'll add more as new sponsors and affiliates happen. They're all available at livefreecreative.co backslash live-free-miranda-discount-codes. That's a lot. So just search discount or head to Instagram, 
link in the profile page to get to your discount page. Everything that I have to offer as far as discounts is there. I hope that you enjoy, and I want you to know that I really appreciate any time that you buy something using one of my codes, you get a discount, and it also tells the company that my audience is paying attention to the things that I love. And so I really appreciate if you are buying something that you use those codes, and we both benefit. It's a win-win. Those are the sponsors that I have available for you right now. Check them out, and let's get on to the show. Now let's talk a little bit about thinking traps. As I mentioned in the introduction, the ability to recognize and get ourselves out of thinking traps is a key component of resilience. This cognitive agility, being able to use our minds in positive ways to recognize not only what our automatic intrusive thoughts are, but when they are valuable and when they are not valuable. There's a key in resilience of being able to recognize your own thoughts and structures, harness your power to increase the accuracy and flexibility of your thinking so that you can have more effective emotional and behavioral consequences to the thoughts themselves. A study in 2004 by a researcher named Jackson said that the ability to recognize our own thoughts and to increase their flexibility and accuracy can be measured, taught, and improved. That's really important. So at the outset, I just want you to know that thinking traps are something that we can recognize and get better at getting out of. We can get better at at avoiding them, but they're a very natural part of regular thought processes as humans. So knowing that not only will we probably, without our own decision, fall into thinking traps from time to time, we can recognize them and get out of them, and we can get better and better at that process through practice. One of the definitions of thinking traps themselves is that they are unhelpful, erroneous, and automatic thoughts. Do you ever have any of those? (laughs) Things that pop into your head or maybe it's a, it's a sentence that you sort of loop on over and over again when you're tired or when you're lonely or when you're frustrated. Is there something that you kind of come back to that it feels like once you're there, it's really tricky to sort of get out of? That might be a thinking trap, an unhelpful, erroneous, and automatic thought. This term refers to the stream of positive and negative thoughts that runs through an individual's mind without our conscious effort without conscious deliberation. We're not choosing the thought. Sometimes it just shows up. I'm going to give you a metaphor, this thinking trap metaphor, flesh it out a little bit. I want you to stick with me during this. Imagine that you're walking along and you accidentally step into a hole. And so then you're kind of down underneath the ground. I mean, you'd probably notice, right? But like imagine an old-fashioned bear trap where there's like a big hole covered by leaves and you're just on your way walking along and all of a sudden you fall through and you're in this hole. While you're at the bottom of the hole, imagine that the the plain ground is far above your head so you can't see the top. So all you see is just around you. And while you're down there, all you see is just the walls and the floor. You may not know that there is a way out if you can't see it. If all you see is as you turn around is the walls of the hole itself, of the trap itself, then it's going to be difficult to escape. The idea of getting better at recognizing and escaping thinking traps is that we can begin to question and understand when we 
when all we see is the walls of the hole that we can look up. And as soon as we look up and we see the sky above us, we see the light coming in, then we know, ah, I'm not just, you know, stuck. It's not that the path ended. I've fallen into a trap. And now that I know that I'm in the trap, I can look for the ladder and, you know, take one rung at a time to climb back out to where things make more sense, to where I am in reality. The idea that we can look at and question our own thoughts is one that comes from a long line of psychological research. You may have heard of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a really common, commonly used type of therapy where a practitioner will help the patient identify thoughts that are unhelpful and challenge them. It's based on the idea of our logic errors, that sometimes our brains don't give us true thoughts. Sometimes our brains don't give us helpful or valuable thoughts. That's not very nice, right? Our brains are supposed to be on our side, and yet sometimes they're illogical, unhelpful, and the information that we're given is erroneous, even from our own brain. Cognitive behavioral therapy, learned helplessness, explanatory styles, distorted thinking, irrational assumptions, these are all different pieces of the field of psychology that recognize that we can't always believe what we think. Some of you as podcast listeners may be familiar with the coaching model that is put out by the Life Coach School. Jody Moore, I know I, I overlap a lot of listeners with Jody Moore and Better Than Happy podcast. Maybe you've listened to the Life Coach School podcast itself with Brooke Castillo. I remember my very first encounter with that years ago. I listened to I started listening to the Life Coach School podcast, and then I went back to the beginning where she talks about the foundations of the model, which is essentially a different way of talking about what all of cognitive behavioral therapy talks about, this idea that we have circumstances and we have thoughts and beliefs about those circumstances and that our thoughts and beliefs may not be correct. The circumstances may be out of our control, so that reality, just sort of the unvarnished what is happening, isn't always available to us with our brains because our thoughts might get in the way. We might tell a story about it that isn't actual truth. It's just, it, it may be a distorted thought. We may have accurate thoughts, helpful thoughts. We also may have unhelpful, inaccurate thoughts about the circumstances of our lives. And so I love the idea that our circumstances can create thoughts, which then create emotions. That isn't so cut and dried. Sometimes our sensations create emotions. Sometimes our sensations create thoughts. It doesn't always go forward to backward just that easily. However, in the case of thinking traps, we're going to focus on the thoughts themselves, identifying the thought that is keeping us stuck, and then questioning that thought itself. I want to share with you some examples. The most simple way to talk about thinking traps is with examples because you'll recognize some of these. As I talk through some of these examples, I'm going to share five in today's episode and know that there are many more. These are things that you may have heard yourself think. I know that they are for me. Again, recognizing is one of the first steps to getting out of the trap itself. So the first one I want to share with you is the thinking trap of helplessness. Helplessness sounds like, in your head, it sounds like this. 
Nothing I do will make a difference. I can't do anything to change this problem. This is out of my hands completely. Helplessness sounds like believing that you have no control and that negative events are going to affect all areas of your life. Have you ever had some of those thoughts come into your mind? The thing is, when you believe them, the circumstance may be very real. There may be something incredibly difficult that is out of your hands. But the thinking trap of helplessness results in passivity to the point that we set down any of the resources that may be available to us. The truth is that there is always something that we can control, even if it's not the circumstance. At the very least, we can choose thoughts about the circumstance that can be helpful. Maybe the thought, nothing I do will make a difference, isn't actually true because that's a really big blanket thought. Nothing I do will make a difference. Maybe not everything you do will make a big difference, but surely something you do will make even a small difference, and that's maybe all you have to go on. But when you're stuck in the thinking trap of helplessness and just turning around looking at the walls of this pit that you're in, nothing you do feels like it will make a difference, even though that thought is unhelpful and untrue. So what do you do when you're stuck in helplessness? Well, you recognize it. Words like never, always, nothing, like those big absolute language words are usually a flag, like a a little beacon of I'm probably in a thinking trap. It's very, very rare that nothing, everything, always, never, that those words are going to be accurate. They probably lend themselves actually to another thinking trap that I wasn't going to share, but I'll just mention it here because it's one of my my flavors of the month, black and white thinking. The always, never, yes or no, nothing in between, that is also a thinking trap. If I, if I can't do it all the way, I'm not going to do it at all. If I am not the best, then I'm the worst. That black and white thinking is another example of a thinking trap. So let me go back to what do we do when we're stuck in helplessness? You recognize it. That's always going to be the first step. Recognize it. Listen to it. Identify the language itself. And then ask yourself, what else might be true? If nothing I do will make a difference isn't true as a statement, then what else might be true? And maybe it's a small shift like something I do will make a difference. Maybe we don't jump to everything I do makes a big difference. But what can I do? Maybe it's a question. What can I do that will make a difference? Maybe not even in the realm of whatever the obstacle or challenges that we're facing, but surely something I do will make a difference somewhere. Maybe it's as simple as sending a kind text to someone to make an impact somewhere. Maybe it's taking a shower (laughs) so that you feel a little bit better. The absolute helplessness is a trap recognizing it and then giving yourself the like one rung on the ladder of what is something I can do that makes a little bit of a difference to help you feel empowered rather than helpless that's the first step out another thinking trap is mind reading this is one that I'm also pretty guilty of 
This is what mind reading sounds like. I know what they're thinking and they should know what I'm thinking. So Mother's Day was just a few weeks ago. How many of you listening expected the people around you to know what you wanted for Mother's Day because they should, because they know you. You're their partner or wife or spouse or mom or daughter. Did any of you assume because of those relationships that they should know what you were thinking? Do you ever, on the other side of this, do you ever think, I know exactly what they're thinking? Do you ever put your thoughts around a circumstance into someone else's head and you, you sort of feel any certain way around what they're thinking when you haven't asked what they're thinking. You've just put your thoughts about what they're thinking into their head. And then you have a reaction to that rather than to what they actually are thinking that you can discover through maybe asking. Believing or assuming that you know what another person is thinking or expecting is the thinking trap of mind reading. What it does is puts us in a position of a pretty closed off assumption rather than an open curiosity. Mind reading will always result in decreased communication because when you assume you know, you don't ask. When you assume you know, you don't ask. When you assume they know, you don't tell. So the thinking trap of mind reading, you're down in the pit and you're spinning. The first step is recognition. The second step is asking a question clarifying, communicating, rather than minding. If you recognize the thought, they should know what I'm thinking, that's a good indicator to verify by asking them, do you know what I'm thinking? Or can I offer my thoughts? And sometimes maybe they do sort of know what you're thinking. But if it's causing conflict or if it's resulting in difficulty in a relationship, it's a good idea to stay open and curious and to ask and to double check and to verify rather than to assume. Another thinking trap you may be familiar with is the thinking trap of them pointing the finger. This is all their fault. If the circumstance were different, it would change everything. They're the reason that I'm feeling this way. It's their problem. When all of the energy around a solution is given away when we say it's all them again most thinking traps are going to like include some of its absolute language it's all them this is their fault they did it wrong when we are unable to see our role even if it is mostly their fault it's usually not all their fault so what role do we have this always results in anger and blaming and sort of not taking responsibility or being accountable for, at the very least, our own emotions, the the piece that we play rather than acceptance, blaming. When we hear ourselves say this is all their fault, when we hear ourselves think this is all their fault, if they were different or if they had made a different choice or if they could manage this situation better, then everything would change we're probably stuck in the thinking pit of them. And we can recognize that and ask ourselves the question, what part am I playing in this dynamic? Maybe most of it is their fault, but what part am I playing? 
Do I need to have stronger boundaries? Do I need to excuse myself from this relationship? Is it no longer serving me? Understanding that there is always two roles in a relationship. Not that we shift all of the blame to us because that will lead into our next thinking trap, but understanding and accepting that we do play a role in any relationship that we play, even if it's a passive role. That gives our power back. So the opposite of the them thinking trap is the me thinking trap. I am the only one responsible for this problem. I'm the reason this is happening. This is all my fault. This results in sadness and guilt. Believing that you are the sole cause of a problem also denies the interaction of people and community and relationships and systems. It's never just you. A lot of us probably lean one way or the other or in particular relationships, like maybe in one relationship you recognize it's usually their their fault, their problem, like that's the dynamic, the trap or the loop that you're in in, in a particular relationship. And you may have a different relationship where you're all, always the problem, like the, you fall into the me thinking trap with one set of friends or with one circumstance and you are often in the they or them thinking trap in another just taking a moment to recognize like where do some of these show up in your life they're also familiar right it's so interesting to learn about these thoughts and recognize these intrusive unhelpful erroneous thoughts are things that everyone experiences everyone has these thoughts and even people who know them well like our professors who karen rivich is a as a professor she wrote a book about resilience she coined the phrase thinking traps in that book and she was teaching us about this and she was saying these are i i encounter these every day in my life thinking traps are things that happen even to people who've spent their careers studying them the important piece is not that they're happening it's that we recognize them and that we can start climbing out the final thinking trap that i want to share an example of today is catastrophizing this is a word i think that's that's pretty out there so maybe you've all heard the idea of catastrophizing this is when your mind sort of takes off like a rocket, like a runaway train. Something happens that sort of tips the balance and you start spiraling. This terrible thing will lead to that terrible thing and that terrible thing and the next and then everything is going to go wrong forever and ever. Amen. Raise your hand if you've been there. I go through a... a catastrophizing moment <laughs> about once a month and it's usually about two days before I start my period I recognize everything feels like an emergency I cannot trust my thoughts I start to spiral it doesn't matter what's happening it can be something so simple I start to spiral and one of my classmates Dana told me that she has a really helpful analogy for this she when she starts to catastrophize, she relates it to being on the freeway and like your foot is getting stuck on the gas pedal and you are just hauling down the freeway. You're just going straight and you're passing all of the places that you could get off. And she said that she and her husband have this language where they say, where are you going to get off? What's the exit? What exit do you want to take? And it just reminds her. And again, so much of thinking traps is awareness that we're in the hole. So when she's aware that maybe she's not in the hole, maybe she's on the freeway with her foot stuck on the gas, 
and her husband will say, where are you going to get off? What's the exit? She can recognize, oh, this is a spiral of imaginary things that I'm making up. This is a story that I'm telling of all of the things that haven't yet happened. And I'm allowing myself to feel all of the distress ahead of time for things that aren't even real yet and may never be. That's what catastrophizing sounds like. That's what it feels like. And I love this idea of recognizing it by having sort of a partner, a friend or, you know, a go-to. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a parent that you can, when you're spiraling, you have someone who says, okay, what's your off-ramp going to be? Where are we going to pause this spiral? A helpful thought when you recognize your catastrophizing is contingency planning. Something has gone wrong or is possibly going wrong that sort of sets off the, the catastrophizing spiral. Recognizing, yes, that may have gone wrong or that may be different than I expected. So what am I going to do about it? That takes you from downward spiral mode into a, an open place of looking for resources and starting to strategize and plan around if something is going wrong, if this bad thing makes that bad thing happen, what then? Not just letting the runaway train of your thoughts take you down the highway 100 miles an hour, but what are we going to do about it? And it's okay to make some of those strategic plans, even if you don't need them, because that contingency planning reins your brain back in to reality. There's a few steps to getting yourself out of a thinking trap. The first step, like I've mentioned a bunch of times, is going to be awareness. That's the first rung of the ladder. Imagine that you're stuck in a pit and you find a ladder. The very first step up that ladder is awareness. I'm in a trap. The sky's above me. I have somewhere to go. I just need to get myself there, build and scaffold some thoughts away from the erroneous, unhelpful thought that may or may not be true into the light of day where you can start to examine things a little bit more thoroughly. So awareness is number one. Number two is identifying the trap itself. This comes with familiarity with your own thoughts and being able to identify what is it the thought that I'm thinking. Brooke Castillo and Jody Moore do a lot of this in their coaching. The idea of identifying that thought and really being able to state it. Like what is the sentence in my head that is looping? That nothing that I do matters. That might be an example of helplessness or this you know, my son didn't go to school today and he's going to get behind on his homework so he won't want to go to school tomorrow and then he's not going to graduate and then he's not going to have any opportunities for a job and so he's going to live in my basement forever. That's an, that's a, a sentence, a lo- very long run-on sentence, but that one is catastrophizing. That is the downward spiral of one little thing or maybe big thing, depending on your emotional state, that happens today leads to 20 years of failure that are that are not actually happening, but you just, you're you're taken off with it. Identifying the thought helps you understand what an antidote might be. So catastrophizing the antidote, like I said, is going to be some contingency planning. So what then? What am I going to do about it? With helplessness, some of the anecdote to helplessness is reminding yourself of the tiny, you know, one small thing you can do that makes a difference anywhere in your life. With the them, when it's all about them, the antidote is going to be what role did I play or what responsibility do I have? When the 
thinking trap is it's all about me. I am the sole person to blame. This is all my fault. It's all my responsibility. Some of the antidote is asking the question, how did others play a role in this? Or, you know, what systems contributed to this, the circumstance that I'm in now? The black and white thinking that I mentioned briefly, the anecdote to that is going to be what else might be true? What is in the middle? If it's not all or nothing, what could be a little bit of something? And what might that look like? With all of the thinking traps, anytime you get stuck in a loop, like an unhelpful, untrue thought loop, a very helpful question is what else might be true? That helps open you up outside of the loop. It helps you sort of look up to the sky and start climbing up that ladder to discover what else might be true outside of this loop. Okay, like, yes, I acknowledge that my brain really feels strongly about this thing that I keep hearing over and over and over again as those sentences run through my mind. But what else might be true? And then allow yourself to experiment with some different thoughts, even thoughts that don't feel super believable. Turn it around, play with it a little bit. Can you make it neutral where it's not all their fault or all your fault? It just happened. Just neutral. You can also try it on completely backwards, like try to whatever the thought is, try the opposite. Allow yourself to just play with your thoughts and recognize that they're not set in stone. The thoughts that we have are not always true. I think just that is such an important thing to understand that just because something is in our head doesn't mean we have to believe it. Research shows that with some training, awareness, motivation, and attention, we as individuals can become more aware of of the content and process of our thinking. We can think about our thinking. That's pretty awesome. And we can begin to recognize our thoughts that are helpful and our thoughts that are unhelpful, our thoughts that are objectively true and our thoughts that are simply untrue. We can begin to understand where we're making assumptions and where we're operating based on understanding. As I finish up, I want to just share a recent example just to give you a more concrete example. So I was recently thinking about my own career plans post-graduate school, and I have some ideas about what I want to do with my new degree. But my innocent daydreaming about the future of what that might look like started to turn into stewing and anxiety and stepping into a little bit of helplessness where I I started to notice thoughts like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this program. I don't have the resources necessary to be successful. I don't know if this program is helping me clarify my future the way that I expected it to. Why does any of this even matter? It started to feel like I, I have no access to what I need. I The idea that I don't know yet exactly what the future looks like led me into the thinking trap of I have no idea what's going on and this is a huge problem. So the latter rungs that I used, I, I recognized first, this is awareness, I noticed how helpless I sounded, that I don't have any of the resources necessary, this isn't helping me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I sounded very stuck. These were all unhelpful and untrue thoughts. So I recognized it. I knew this was a hole of helplessness that I had fallen into. And the thought cue that I gave myself was, what is my next right step? I, I knew that the thought... I don't know anything about what's coming next was untrue. What do I know? What is happening next? I asked myself this question, what is one thing, 
that I know that I can do next that I have the resources for right now. It came back into a position of control of what I do have access to, what I can control, what resources are available. And I realized that I, you know, this was a month or two ago, I, I'm not even ready to take a career step because I'm not even finished with school yet. I need to finish my capstone. So my capstone project is the next right step for me. That's going to prepare me to, to finish my degree in its completion. My capstone is a book proposal. I'm excited about the idea of this book that I'm going to write a proposal for. And so that also, I mean, it's not the whole picture, but it is one picture that I want to complete a book proposal and I want to write another book. Then I asked myself, as you can with any thinking trap, what else might be true? And I realized that as an entrepreneur, I've never really known many more than one or two steps ahead. Part of the joy of my career trajectory has been the freedom that I enjoy as I make new decisions all the time and forge ahead in unexpected pathways. So then I created this new thought. I'm excited to work on the step in front of me today as I learn and uncover what my future is going to look like. Now that's a very different thought. The thought that emerged at the top of climbing out of the thought trap is very different than the thought that I had at the bottom. So the thought I had in the bottom of the trap was I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have the resources necessary to be successful. And after the steps of awareness and manipulating my thoughts a little bit and asking what else might be true, I emerged with this thought. I'm excited to work on the step right in front of me, which is setting up a meeting with my capstone advisor using the resources that I have available today. This I can do. This gives me energy and forward movement and the progress that I desire. This is an example of effectively adapting to a thinking trap, recognizing it and using some cognitive agility and flexibility to create new thoughts when we recognize that those that we have are not serving us. To finish up, I just want to mention again that thinking traps aren't something that we are trying to completely avoid because sometimes we can't avoid them. What we can do is become aware of them and develop some tools and strategies to climb out of them more quickly. It's really, really helpful to have an arsenal of positive thoughts and creative thinking and to you know, focus on what we can control in any situation. And even with all of those resources available to us of you know, actively engaging in optimistic thinking and understanding that things are gonna go wrong, resilience doesn't mean avoiding the negative. It means recognizing the natural difficulty that our brains will, will give us through thinking traps and discovering strategies to escape them. I want you to take a second, just as we finish up this episode, to think of a recent thinking trap that you were in. And whether or not you've escaped it, is it still a loop that you just, you know, when you think about that circumstance, that that thought is, you know, an unhelpful, possibly untrue thought is where you land? And how can you build some awareness around it to ask yourself, what else might be true? Does this thought serve me? How can I climb out of this trap so that I can see my life and my circumstances and my challenges a little bit more clearly? Just like anything, the more that we practice escaping thinking traps, recognizing them, labeling them, and escaping them, the better we will be at it. I want to invite you to take some time this week to think about your thinking traps. See if you can build some awareness around them. 
I just mentioned a few today. There's so many. You could even, you know, Google search and, and find like emotional reasoning, should statements. Almost any time we use the word should, we're in a thinking trap. Jumping to conclusions, overgeneralizations, uh, overestimating things, just discounting anything positive happening, labeling and all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking. These are all examples of some of the erroneous thoughts systems, those thought loops that we can get caught in. And hopefully being able to be more aware of them, identify them, and ask yourself some critical questions around them will help you get better at climbing out. I always hugely appreciate you tuning into the show. I hope this episode has given you something to think about, something to use, a new skill, cognitive skill to develop. How cool to understand that some of the difficulties that we encounter in our own thought processes are things that we can change, we can question, we can emerge from having more self-awareness and feeling a little bit better about reality. I wanna give a quick shout out for Novios Retreat. We have just a couple spots that opened up and are available for couples to join Kristen Hodson and I on an all-inclusive adventure and connection retreat in Costa Rica this November. If you could use that special time connecting with your spouse, check it out. The link is in the show notes. Again, there's just two spots that came available and we'd love for you to join us. Have a wonderful week. I'll catch you next time.